just realised, actually, that the mic's on, but the, uh, the little bulb's gone over there. Redman, the bulb's gone in the little uh, mic thing over there. So that, that, that could cause... Conv- I'm telling you now... Because unless you've, have you got a spare bulb on you, she does Christmas tree lighting as a part-time yeah. thing. Fresh out of bulbs, so there you go. I did bulb? I know you've run out, haven't you? Those red bulbs. She seems to use a lot of red bulbs. I don't know why. All of a sudden, she used to use blue ones when she pretended to be a policewoman, you know. And now she's doing you know baubles, spangles, baubles, <laughs> bright beads. shiny things. Yeah. <laughs> I might go and unscrew it actually and tap it because sometimes that works. I've got a rear light on the car like that. You're right. Yeah, I'm fine. You're yes, very yes. chirpy this morning. I was going to ask you something. I've, I've completely had some forgot. Kit. That's why. Had some what? I've had some kip. I thought you said you've had some rehip. And I thought, good no. grief. What a strange I thing to tell me. Well, exactly. I didn't know what it was either. I thought, new hip replacement, I thought. New hip replacement. <laughs> and I, I was going to ask you something. I've completely forgotten what it was this morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was listening. I think I was in the shower listening to the union guy. Yes. And, and I thought, he's very aggressive, you know. Mm. For, for somebody who's, you know, I, I've, I've been a member of a union for years, but you do get. No, not your name, Popsikins. It's hopeless this morning, isn't it? Look, she's typed her own name. Not your name. Oh, blimey, hopeless, isn't it? Might as well talk to the cat. Take, take your name off the computer. So anyway, so, yeah, and he, I thought he came over very aggressively. Mm. You know, and, and, and unions don't do this and they do that and do this kind of thing. I'm thinking... Well, he mm. did say the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I think oh, it was constant repetition. Home. Yeah, there was repetition, yes. Yeah. And then he buzzed in three times. <laughs> go on, go, you've peaked. You don't get paid for this bit of the programme. No, I don't. <clears throat> no. This is your show. It, well, have you... Technically, it is. Looking forward to the Pope. See you later. Ta-da. Anthony's back with you tomorrow on LBC 97.3. The producer's gone completely balmy mad, haven't you? Oi! Look at, you know, honestly, it's like talking to a wall this morning, isn't it? Yeah. You know what you've done, dear? You've signed in with your name on the computer, OK? It's not your show. I don't know what you've heard, but it ain't your show, all right? It's Steve Allen's show. It's very sweet to watch you typing in. And Anthony and I did tell you about five times, but, you know, you were too busy, you know, checking your red lights, I suppose. What was going on this morning? So, anyway... So, I mean, I'm not going to have to bang that board in a minute because that's going to be very off-putting a little bit later on if that light doesn't come on. We could probably wait till the headlines, but I'm... See, I don't know if it's on now. I don't want to swear, you know... Big Brother House, this is Davina. You're live on LBC. Do not swear. Oh, and I might. So you don't know my password, do you? Just want to change it. Yeah, you used to, but I've, I've changed it now. Management said change it, so she doesn't know. So I put in this... <laughs> so it became... It's a very long password. A very, very long password. Anyway, uh, so today the Pope arrives. I reckon he's packing at the moment. I reckon he's sitting there going, so exciting, so exciting. Because he, he's not been here before. He's coming to Twickenham on Friday, tomorrow. I'm going to be out there on the road, my little flag. And then this morning on the television, I was flicking through it. It's the endless, the endless, ghastly uh, bid programmes. You know, with the sort of like shopping channels where people who look like they're on sort of drugs or something are going, come on, you've got a phone. The lines are absolutely chock a block. And I'm thinking, you're lying through your teeth. There was some inane maniac flogging rubbish clothes where they go, come on, it's this, it's this. The lines are, it's now twelve ninety nine for a cagoule. Twelve ninety nine. come on. I've, I've, the, the, the lines are so busy and I'm thinking, no, they're not. You're lying. What you're trying to do is drum up business. They're all mad as brushes, I'm afraid. And the rubbish that they sell on these channels, I mean, it is tat. You know, one of, the, I said the other day, there was somebody selling an iron for £180 or something. Oh, you're really going to need this iron. I thought, no, you're not. And they, and they always say the same. On the, on the Living World channel, as I prefer to call it, Fat Bird Telly, you've got the people there, and they're always going, and of course, flexi payments make it easy. And I'm thinking, no, it's designed to take money off people to buy rubbish they don't need. You don't need an iron, because I saw the same iron for 60 quid. 
in a company called Hughes. And then I watched bid television yesterday, and uh, the usual pile of tat. We're having a £5 million clearance. I thought, yeah, because you can't flog it anywhere else. And then they go, and it's normally £39, and it's, my, I can't believe it. And these sort of geriatric presenters stand there going, I can, look at this, 12, well, I paid more than that myself. And then the other day, we had one of the birds on Living World, and uh, she was trying to flog you. Obviously, women, are, you're obviously a great target market for anything to do with creams or lotions or potions. So on Living World, there she is. And what's she selling you? She's selling you a gel that you paint over the top of your eyelash, which makes your eyelashes really big. And it really... If you've got little stubby eyelashes, it makes them look good. How much is this stuff? £90, they were asking for. 90 quid for this company I'd never even heard of. And that's the, that's the benchmark. All this stuff on the... They say, you can't get this in the shops. And she came up with some great lines yesterday. And she was going, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. She said, you're saying, I've, I've read about that. I thought you've never read about it in your life because it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. It's like if you want something that's going to take away wrinkles from your eyes, egg white. Egg white. That's the simple... What do you think? Yeah, they used to use it in Dynasty and also hemorrhoid cream. Hemorrhoid cream, cheap, you know, £2.40 apparently. Dual purpose, you know, should you be unlucky enough to have the other things. And, uh, and then he sort of t- takes away, well, lump, you know, and uh, lines from around your eye. So when, when she said 90 quid, and she said, this is, she said, oh, I would kill for this. And they do a demonstration on a few, and then she did it, and it looked awful. And she went, and of course, it's on FlexiPay. And I thought, oh, marvellous, three payments of £30 each. Why not bankrupt yourself before Christmas for something that probably costs about a shilling to make? And that's the trouble. The women's makeup market is huge. And then, and then they, they did another thing. She said, and for those people who, who don't want to buy the bigger ones, which will last you about six months, they do a little one for you poor people out there. And this one's only £45. And you get this and you get that and we throw in the free thing. And she was making it sound like it was, you know, the best thing that you're ever going to use. Whereas you'll get it and go, what a load of old rubbish I've bought. And that was the trouble. What did they do the other day? Oh, I said, laughed. Laughed. I'm, I turn on and I'm, I'm flicking. I seem to get all the shopping channels and I sit there transfixed by the rubbish that they're selling. QVC, a feng shui wallet. A feng shui wallet. And up they come with this piece of rubbish. Green. And it's got a zip. And the zip is designed in... I thought, you are off your bonkers, you are, love. And she's sitting there and she opens it and takes and pours money out. And then pours money back in again. And I thought... And she said, and of course the Chinese know all about this. Well, of course, I then was shouting at the television. I've just seen a programme about how poor 90% of China is. And that's why all the cheap stuff comes from there. So this wallet, which was green... Ugh! What that goes with, I've got no idea. Was selling for £20 for a wallet. You get the same thing in your local market for two quid. You know, and these handbags, these are marked, look at this. And then they were selling a Buddha. A Buddha. It was the ugliest Buddha you've ever seen. I've got... Why would you want to go to QVC to buy a Buddha? Biggest pile of rubbish. £32 this thing was. 32 quid. I've got a Buddha at home that we, that we bought in Hong Kong years and years ago. And it's absolutely beautiful. This other one just looked peculiar. And I thought, do people sit at home going, oh, it's feng shui. Oh, that means if we buy the purse, that means money will come flooding in. Well, of course, it doesn't, because all I saw the other day was a documentary, and it was something about a train. And it was called, I think, Migrant Workers. And it was about <coughs> a, <coughs> a mother and father 
who had to leave their little village in Guangdong province and go to the big cities to make money sewing in some of these big factories. And uh, so they had to leave their two children, a girl of 13 and a young boy. And it was, it was very well done. They, they go on the train and they sit there. They didn't really have anything to say to each other because all they were doing was having to leave the village, go outside and work to bring back a little bit of money. Looking after their two children, the boy of about nine, the girl of 13, was the grandmother. Because in Chinese households, unlike this country where we shovel our, our old people in homes, yeah, the, 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 the family live with you. You know, your grandmother comes and lives with you. And when, you know, if, if your grandfather dies, then your grandmother's automatically there. And they help with the cooking and, and everything else. So <clears throat> it was quite interesting. When they get back, <coughs> excuse me, the, uh, the brother, yeah, the, um, the boy at nine is very well behaved. And they, they look at his schoolwork. The girl has gone completely off the rails at 13 she F's and blinds in front of them. The father goes, but he smacks around the head. Don't you ever disrespect... She punches him out. This on t- And she goes to the cameras. This is what I'm really like. This is what I'm... Quite clearly, she was heading for a life of prostitution. Because in the end, at 13, um, they have to go back to the city. And she's had enough. She's obviously want to go out there. So the next time we see her, we see her working a bar... And you think to yourself, what an embarrassment for your parents. That's why every time I turn on the television, and I did watch the other day the Big Brother DVD, which don't waste your money, because you'd been better off if you'd saved the Big Brothers as opposed to wasting five quid on this thing, which just really wasn't very well put together. They far too. They obviously put it together, thought, how can we milk this? I know, let's just put together a, three or four shows and a couple of little clips, and then we'll flog it to people and go, it's the best of Big Brother, because it really wasn't. It really wasn't the best of Big Brother. It was very sloppily, lazily put together. They just put long, big chunks on there, none of which was at all interesting, I'm afraid. It really wasn't. So I watched that, and I suddenly realised the one, the one thread that runs through Big Brother is that most of them have got some sort of illness. They really are. Nadia, you know, just, just being awful, just being vile... Some of them, there are a couple of people on me, I've forgotten their, their names, I can't remember them, but the foul language, we had stupid kitten Pinder, ridiculous shabby, a rather stupid little girl, silly Ziggy, you know, all these idiots who've achieved nothing in their lives. They've learnt nothing. The whole idea about the programme is, as they keep telling you, you can go on here and you can make something of yourself. If you're a bit of a waste of space... You can go on there and try and do something which will change your life. Most of them appear to go on there and either want to be page three glamour models or, failing that, they want to be complete and utter prats because they don't seem to achieve anything. Some of them sat down and screamed and Shabby didn't do anything at all. She just lusted after a few women, being the dirty little woman that she was, and didn't do anything with silly hat on. Nadia screamed and shouted because they took her cigarettes away. Uh, Kit and Pinder just looked like some desperate old lesbian from the 50s who wasn't going to go anywhere anyway. Uh, Ziggy Lickman spent most of his time asleep without realising that the girl he was chatting up uh, was, uh, was desperate to, uh, to just sleep with as many footballers as possible. And her mother was a prostitute who died some years ago. Because you don't know what people's history is. You go in the house and they all... And do you remember the little Thai woman... That I can't remember her name, but she, but she was another one who had a breakdown. Yeah, Cookie, give me Cookie Monster, Cookie Monster. She was another one who needed a bloody slap. And you keep watching these people and you suddenly realise that they've all got the one thing in common. They're either very silly with no talent or they're just silly little show-offs. 
I mean, ridiculous. I mean, just more people bursting into tears because, you know, there wasn't any food or they'd failed a task and you think, you need to get out there in the real world, love, because most of them just couldn't survive. Thank God. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. The Pope's historic arrival in Britain today is being overshadowed by comments comparing the nation with a third world country. Cardinal Walter Casper, who was due to join the Pope's entourage, pulled out of the trip yesterday following remarks made during an interview. Uniformed firefighters march through London later in a row over shift changes. The march comes one day before the result of a ballot on industrial action is announced. And a warning, thousands of people are at risk because cosmetic surgery, because cosmetic surgery firms don't offer patients a safe experience. A report has found fewer than half of sites have fully equipped operating rooms. More on that in a moment. Let's have the travel for you. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. This morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Hello. Of course, you can't see it unless you peer around the side because the big LBC thing's blocking it. So you have to sort of, you have to go like that to see it. Anyway, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Anyway, so, uh, so where was I? Oh, yeah, so, so watching Big Brother and watching some of these stupid people. I mean, really, you've never... I mean, some of them, luckily, I'd forgotten. And all I kept thinking was, at the very end of it, who has been the most successful? And the answer is one of the blokes from the first series because... He already had a building company, and he went on, and he didn't exploit himself. He gave his money away to charity. Uh, the rest of them were just a bunch of wasters. You know, absolutely... That's all I kept thinking was, you know, they're stupid. Nicky Graham just being stupid, all over Pete with, with Tourette's, and a few other people. Uh, then we had Sam and Amanda. He threatened them that she knew she had... Um, she sort of, she did the image of a gun. Can't remember her name. She lived in Croydon. My God, they showed clips of her on this Big Brother thing. And she was shouting obscenities into this person. I'm thinking, what did you go on Big Brother for? What was the purpose of going on there? Was it to make yourself look as stupid as possible? Or do you seriously believe? I mean, at one point, she said to one of the girls' session, listen, sister. And this girl went, I'm not your sister. And that caused the biggest rock I've ever seen. And I'm sitting there thinking, small wonder we have the Jeremy Kyle show full of these sort of people who just don't know how to behave. They really didn't know how to behave. There were some people on there I'd forgotten. There was an Asian guy who got kicked out, and I can't remember his name either. There was a mad one from Glasgow, a Scottish Asian guy who went on there. There was... There were some very, very peculiar people. And all the time I kept thinking, I don't think this programme is doing the sort of job it's... I wasn't really sure what, what, the, what the purpose of the programme was. Is it designed to show how people in a house who don't know they're being filmed react? If so, it failed after show one. Because show one, they didn't know about the hidden cameras. Now, in fact, in one of them, they actually broke through into the corridors that run behind the set... And so it showed them running down there because they would come up to the glass and go, I can see somebody, I can see the camera. Because at night time, when the lights go down, you can see things moving. And, that, and, and that, that became a little bit more interesting. And then I thought, they don't keep them occupied in Big Brother. The one thing they needed doing, because none of them had any conversation, some of them just sat around sleeping. Marco, do you remember Marco? He was in, Marco is a bit like that, and all the rest. And he didn't do anything either. He just spent his time sleeping, and then they all sort of did group hugs every so often. Oh, I wouldn't want these people touching me. 
why would you want to start doing group hugs with somebody you'd only known for about a day and a half? And then we had Cookie Monster in, and she sort of bounced around, and then spent the rest of the programme in tears. And, you, and then she came, and she didn't do anything either. So what do they go in there for? I thought the whole idea, if you do something like that, it's supposed to be life-changing. didn't seem to change their lives at all, apart from make them look very, very stupid. Although, sadly, on the front of the Daily Star today, the Daily Star, who've run out of celebrities to talk about, I'm afraid, are still going with dreary old Chantal and Preston. This is Chantal living the dream. The dream being I'm going to be in tears all the time because I just can't find anybody to go out with me because I've got nothing to, to talk about. And I'm Essex and I'm, like, a bit stupid, but I love Preston. No, he don't do. He doesn't love you. He's just interested in making as much money. Preston pictured with her the other day wearing a pair of white shorts and a white... I mean, really. How to look like a complete bozo in three easy lessons. David Beckham looks set to be uh, heading for a big money transfer to Hollywood after being courted by a top movie, movie mogul. Well, so what they've got, they've actually got Dave out on the town with Sam Nazarian. I didn't know who he was either. I had to check. Sam Nazarian uh, apparently is the mega-rich founder of LA-based SBE. He's only 35. Makes you wonder how somebody at 35 could actually own hotels and clubs on Sunset Strip. And he's recently gone into movie production with such films as Down in the Valley. No, me neither. Sorry about that. So, uh, so Dave, being the duh, goes out... Uh, for uh, for a meal with him. Now, if you're going to have a big meeting with somebody and they're going to put you in the movies, you ain't going to be having it in a restaurant. You're going to be going to their offices. And frankly, as I say, this man, Sam Nazarian, 35, and he's the mega-rich founder of LA-based SBE. Bit of a worry. Actually, I did, I did get my, my best line the other day. I only repeat it to you, not because I'm a, a bitter, twisted person in any way, shape or form, but um, uh, when, we're not actually saying that Colleen Rooney's a bit daft. But when she heard that Wayne paid £1,200 for a 19-year-old escort, the first thing she said was, is it taxed and insured? Now, I don't want to repeat that to you to make you think in any way that we think that Colleen's not a really super-intelligent, marvellous businesswoman. Which I don't. OK? What I do think is somebody's just latched on to her. And there's a picture of her out on the town with the old Croydon facelift. Because she buys all these clothes. You know, she spends like the debt of a small third-world country, and and still manages to look like a dog's dinner. Well, where does she wear these clothes, love? Where do you wear them? Do you walk around at home in the bedroom going, I'm beautiful, obviously not that beautiful, because Wayne cheats, but she's hoping to meet the Pope. I think they'll be keeping the Pope as far away from Colleen Rooney as possible. Apparently, it would, ju- it would just because she's been through a lot of stress and she's fought it. A lot of old rubbish, isn't it? And so they think that, uh, meanwhile, George Michael... <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> just make me laugh. He's in prison. He's apparently in, in a wing um, where he's, sort of, he's separated from other prisoners. But he spent a lot of the time crying. Because when you go into prison, and I don't know if they explained this to him, that uh, the first thing they do is you have to take all your clothes off. He must have thought he was in seventh heaven. He really must have done. Big butch man said, get your clothes off. I mean, good Lord. I mean, bliss and happiness for George Michael. And now, apparently... He's facing demands from jail heavies. These will be fat elderly queens in prison for protection in the showers. I mean, I ask you. I'm sorry, we're not in the dark ages. They just go into the showers now. This isn't scum or anything like that. There is no protection money paid in prison. It's a lot of sad old homosexuals who go in there 
uh, because they liked the company of other men. And apparently when George came in, they were all getting very excited. And uh, George then burst into tears. I don't know why. So many men at only four weeks to get round as many as possible, George. You'll love it. God, it won't stop you smoking dope. Might actually give you the kick up the rear end you need. The best news is, and as far as I'm concerned, the only thing that they ever could have done is banned him for five years. Now, that, I think, is brilliant, because it means that he's not going to get behind... Well, I hope he's not. Not going to get behind the wheel of a car for five years. That is is the best thing, as far as I can see. I'm not remotely interested in sticking him in prison. That's not going to do anything. If he wants to smoke himself to death and stick needles in his arm and chase the... He can do whatever he likes. I couldn't care less. Just don't get behind the wheel of a car, because that's the bit that means that things could turn out very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Uh, other stories of the paper today. Oh, I love the idea. There was a crook wanted over a gang attack. They turned on the television. He's on a, he's on a Come Dine With Me programme. The copper spotted him immediately. So they've actually got him. This is Carlos Buller. He was spotted on CCTV hitting Anthony Hargreaves with his man bag in a pub brawl. Police couldn't identify him, and he was finally snared when he was spotted as a contestant on Come Dine With Me. There's a rumour, incidentally, talking of uh, celebrity things, that uh, there's going to be a celebrity coach trip. And, and the, <laughs> strangely enough, the names that they've actually come up with, um, I, I was sort of reading it, thinking, I don't know, should I share this with you this morning? And, wait a minute, wait a minute. OK, celebrity version of um, the, um, the show now has been commissioned. They're saying... Former step star Lee Latchford Evans. Oh, how boring. Russell Grant. Strange that name should crop up again this week. Bella Emberg. Rick. No, no. Rick. No, no, no. Rick Waller. Rick Waller, the fat bloke. Uh, Russ Abbott. And wait for this. Lulu. Well, I'm talking to Lulu later on today. And I'm going to be asking her whether she's been approached. It could be quite interesting, couldn't it, if you want to do it? But, I mean, Lee Latchford Evans and uh, Rick Waller. Rick, love, I don't think there's a seat big enough for you on the coach. Perhaps they'll build you a trailer at the back, because you remember Rick had to leave Celebrity Fit Club because uh, he, wasn't, he couldn't actually do it. In fact, he couldn't run, he couldn't walk. All he wanted to do was stuff his face. And uh, I don't know what he's doing at the moment. Disappeared, as far as I'm concerned. But I'm sure that somebody will tell me at some point on the programme. John says, don't worry about Richard and Judy. They came across as very desperate people, especially Richard. I don't know what they were doing. When she said to Michael Ball, who do you think washes the Pope's clothes? And I thought, no, she was quite serious. That was the trouble. Because, A, I thought that Richard had told us, quite clearly lying, that uh, they didn't want to do television anymore. So now they've resorted to being just pundits on a show, and, uh, and that was it. And you suddenly realise why. She's happier, obviously, sitting at home writing her books. He, of course, is just desperate to get out there. And I'm surprised they didn't drag on the daughter. The only sane one in the whole family is their son. He's the only normal one who's not really into this sort of celebrity culture, unlike the ghastly, uh, just have another drink, daughter, you know, before I get in the car. And so Richard, so, so when I saw, I saw Richard, and I thought, well, he looks the same. He looks good in the face. But Judy, I thought, no, oh dear, you need to, you know, you need to stay away from I reckon that he said, listen, they want us as Richard and Judy. I don't want to do it. And he went, come on, come on, old girl, come on. Can you lose a bit of weight? No, perhaps not, not tomorrow. Anyway, so uh, go on the programme. And they sat there, and then... They had, um, who's the, the big fat lady? 
the uh, um, no, 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 not Rosemary Schrager. We can't bear Rosemary Schrager. What a f- that woman who sweats into the food. Clarissa Dixon Wright, and she was the one who said the nuns wash all his clothes. And Judy went, "Do you think so?" And Clarissa went, "Yes, of course." And I thought. Well, who else do you think washes his clothes? But it was a very good programme, actually, looking behind the scenes at Vatican City, and it followed the life of a couple of choir boys. That was interesting. LBC. Pope arrives today. Woo, 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 woo. Goodness me, I'm looking through the uh, itinerary, because he comes over to uh, Twickenham tomorrow. So, very much looking forward to seeing him. I should be standing there by the side of the road. We'll have to close the shops as a sort of a mark of receipt. It's going to be there at ten in the morning, so it's just exactly the time that I'm going to be uh, hanging around, I think. I cannot wait, actually. Cannot wait. I think he's done it at that time. He knows I finish at seven, and by the time I've actually got home, it's going to be great. So, um, today, as you know, he lands, and he'll be landing, I think, at uh, about 10.30. He takes off at 8.30 from, uh, from Rome. He's uh, on board an Italia Airbus. He'll have several archbishops and cardinals, his private secretary. And, um, and then at 10.30, Prince Philip, Scottish, Car- Scottish Cardinal Keith O'Brien and uh, Murphy O'Connor will welcome the Pope to the UK Edinburgh Airport. He'll then be driven to Holyrood Palace and the Pope will then meet uh, the Queen at 11. And uh, then that'll go through to 12.30. And then he'll go through the centre of the city. It'll all be on the news, you'll hear it on LBC. And, uh, and then he'll travel to Glasgow. And then his his date his his time in Glasgow doesn't start till five fifteen, so I suspect this is the period where they're saying, is he going to be meeting in Glasgow people who've been victims of uh, paedophile priests within the Catholic Church? Is that a time for reconciliation? A lot of people are saying it could be at eight o'clock tomorrow. Sorry, eight o'clock uh, today. No, t- this is all today, isn't it? He goes to Glasgow today, and then tomorrow, he'll be uh, he'll be here, down in Twickenham. Bit excited by that. Going nowhere near Nathan Morley in Cyprus. Although, if they could pay for a visit from the pontiff, they'd be the first ones to, to go for it in a big way. Morning, Nathan. Good morning, Steve. Well, you'll be delighted to know that the Pope's last international visit was here. No. Uh, about three months ago. Oh, yes, it was, actually. Quite right, yes. And, and as you'll recall, I, I, I know you're a bit fragile. Yes. Um, I, I, spent, I spent three days... T- Chasing after him. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you actually get an interview? Do, do people get interviews with the Pope? I've seen interviews on the television, but they tend not to be interviews. They, they, they just tend to be little sort of cutaways where they've caught a snatch of conversation. Yeah, I didn't get an interview, actually. and uh, I, I don't think he really grants uh, these kind of one-on-one mm. interviews. Um, not from my recollection, uh, certainly not Benedict, and I know John Paul didn't. So, um, but... Uh, uh, I did get to see a uh, service, which was um, uh, which was quite thrilling. And um, uh, you, you know, if if you are one of the faithful, if you are a Catholic, uh, such a visit is incredibly exciting. I think. And when he came here, uh, because there is, uh, you, you know, it's only two percent of the country here is Catholic, so it's tiny, mm. tiny. Uh, uh, but he came on a kind of pilgrimage to to visit. Uh, some ancient sites. So anyway, it worked out very well. But uh, the British affair, I think, is a lot bigger, isn't it? Yes, yeah. I, I think the idea is to cram in as much as they can. He's, what, 80-something now. And so they'll, yes. they'll be doing the driving through the streets. He comes to Twickenham on Friday, tomorrow. So he's going to be mm. with us about 10 o'clock in the morning. 
He's coming to Twickenham. Has he made that a special uh, point? Is he popping into yours? Is he? Yeah, do you know, I wish he was. Strangely, <laughs> he's doing a college down the road from me for some peculiar... Out of all the places in the country, I mean, out of all... I mean, I think he wants to meet students. Uh-huh. And, uh, he wants to meet students. He does. I mean, little does he realise that uh, most of the students around our way, I shouldn't imagine, have ever seen the inside of a basilica or a church or even know what one is. You know, well, most as students. most people spend their time trying to avoid students, well, it seems <laughs> quite an unusual. It does. It's, it's a very strange thing to want to do, isn't it? But I'm, I'm a little bit excited, though. I mean, I, I, I feel certain that he will take in the delights of the pound shop, uh, get a haircut mm-hmm. at Michael's and pop into the fruit and veg. Well, you should have really been b- drafted in as some kind of special advisor to Benedict's Twickenham leg of the tour. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, um, that you're always going to get a better knowledge base from locals. Yes. You really are. Um, the pound shop. Can you imagine <laughs> the Pope in the pound shop? Can you imagine it? Well, do you know, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the down-market newspapers got a Pope look-alike and had him shopping there with a basket, saying while he was in Twickenham, he nipped in and <laughs> bought a rugby ball and, and he bought an air freshener for the car. You know, that'd, that'd You're be giving ideas nice. to Fleet Street now. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, believe you me, I bet they've thought of it already. Apparently, he's actually going to be meeting 4,000 children. I didn't know there were 4,000 children in Twickenham, but apparently there are. Uh, in a celebration of Catholic education in the sports arena of St Mary's. Mm. I wonder what they the were building a short The problem with these things, though, I noticed when he was here... Uh, and I, I'm sure people are realising now, if you do want to go and see the Pope, I don't know if it's the same in Britain, but I imagine it would be, is that uh, the security is very tight. Yes. Very tight indeed. So if you're going to one of the services or the masses, uh, you have to uh, you have to apply to the church sometime in advance. You need a pass and, you know, to yes. go through some kind of security. Uh, so a lot of people who think, oh, hang on, is the Pope, as you mentioned, going to a sports centre, let's pop down and see him. You find you probably can't get in. Well, that is, it's funny, actually, because if, if you want to do press accreditation, you, you should have applied for this ages and ages ago. But if you're a member mm. of the public and you've got a ticket to one of the things, uh, I don't know whether you'll go through metal detectors. I mean, I know, you're, you're right, the, uh, the security around him is, is unprecedented. You, you'll see him tomorrow at 4pm in London as he crosses over Lambeth Bridge and he goes right. along Millbank to Parliament. So, in fact, Lambeth Bridge from about three o'clock tomorrow. You'll need to get there early, because I should imagine the crowds will be quite deep. Just curious tourists going, who's coming? And they go, it's the Pope. And so people will be going, blimey, it's the Pope. <laughs> Doesn't appeal to everybody, but, you know. It's good for tourism. Good for tourism. Why not? Yes, Why not? yes. You know, we haven't seen more, him here before. More, more, more elderly celebrities propping up the capital. Yes, he, he, he's also going to pray for peace at the Tomb of the Unknown Warrior in Westminster Abbey. So that'd be nice. Oh, yeah. you got the, uh, is this all going to be live on LBC? I, th- I think most of it will be live. I think we'll, we'll be covering as much as possible. And not for any oh, particular religi- religious reason, apart from, the, you know, a- a- apart from that aside. It's because it's, it's fairly historic that a Pope's visited. But it is. And, and do bear in mind, at one stage, LBC did actually broadcast a boat race for some reason. Yes, that is true. So we did do the boat. We, we like the boat race, though. It's very popular. Did, did, you, did you really? I did. did I, you? I tell you, I've got well, my favourite film out of all time is True Blue. <laughs> I was the only person that bought this film in bulk and gave it away to people. I said, if you want to see a great film, which is a true story about the boat race, and you want to hear some great music, and I was giving it... Did you not get one? No, I didn't. Oh, no, I no. I'm afraid not. Yes, I, I what I did do, film. though, was, was I was listening to LBC when they were broadcasting the boat race. Yeah. And I find it doesn't really work on radio. What boat? Um, 
I actually did a painting programme once on LBC. Can you believe I did a painting programme? And people wrote in saying, are you seriously doing a painting programme? And I said, I am so. I've done cooking as well. Cooking's not too bad. I mean, cooking is the kind of scriptive, but with two boats, you know, uh, one inching ahead of another. Yeah, but you do football on the radio, don't you? Yeah, well, football, yeah, they've got that down to a fine art. I I find the whole boat race thing on the radio a little bit odd. But uh, but I I don't believe you do it anymore, do you? I don't think so, no. I like it. I mean, I always always talk it up. I'm always the first one there. I nearly bought a house at the finish line so I could wave to the crews. (laughs) I, I know you the cleats today as well, by the way, because I was thinking of you the other day. I was doing some online shopping. Okay. I remember a few years ago we were talking about getting ready for Christmas because it's 100 days till Christmas today. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me just check on my app on the phone. And oh, it I can is? tell you that it's 100 sleeps to Christmas. Certainly well, there is. you go. Oh, love it. And I thought, oh, this will cheer up Steve. <laughs> He'll be on the Amazon.com later. <laughs> I got sent in yesterday. I got a big box sent in to me here. Courtney staggered up the stairs with it, acting as usual. And he went, oh, goodness, what have you been ordering? And it came in from the Christmas shop. Now, because I love Christmas. And uh, Elaine and David Thompson, because they have the Christmas Uh shop at Hayes Galleria, and they sent Uh me in a load of Christmas hats, some Christmas crackers and some Christmas lights. Oh, that's lovely. And I tell you, Lovely. the excitement in the office when I put the turkey hat on was almost unprecedented. <laughs> a lot of people thought Jenny Barnett had arrived in early, and, and I popped it on, and I've got... There must be about 20 or 30 hats in there. Oh, that's wonderful. They're brilliant. That's They're wonderful. Absolute, I'm thinking the Christmas spirit all around already. I love it. Yeah, today's lots of good things today, you know, and I've, I, there's only one country in the world that does this. I see that, that, it, that in the UK as well, it's um, National Take Your Dog to Work Day. Oh, we've had that uh, here before. And I don't know whether, whether, whether people actually do that. Yes, they do. We, we've, we've had... Not in this building, but in our last building, we did have National Take Your Dog to Work Day. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. And it was awful, really, that's... because we had to turn Jodie Marsh and Jordan away at the door and uh, <laughs> just say, no, I'm terribly sorry, you've got the wrong end of the stick. It's uh, dogs on leads. <laughs> oh, that was below the belt. It was, and, and so There's apt. no need time. for that, young fella. No, I know. But, it's, but yeah, oh. I think it's a good idea, taking your dog to work. Not necessarily, you know, if they're not house-trained. I do, unless they're large dogs. Yeah. Uh, I.e. Rottweilers, uh, Dobermans, dogs that slobber, dogs which um, generally make a nuisance or on the house-trained. Yes. Other than, yeah, if they're small, bichon freeze type dogs that are very pleasant to be around, then I'm all for it. Yes. All for it. You're a little bit Super. biased, of course. So, in other words, if you took Mr Chaz into the TV studio, would he just lie down on the floor and go to sleep? Um, I think he probably would. The problem with the TV studio is there are thousands of cats there. Oh. Um, we have a small cat problem. Oh. Because cause it's surrounded by huge gardens and, and outbuildings. The there's, cats there's, love it. There's always problems. You've either got rats in Cyprus or you've got snakes. Now you've got cats. Yeah, well, the telly, the problem is the cats. I mean, a lot of people have been trying to get rid of the cats. And yeah. they say, no, it's the cats which keep away the rats. Um, and the problem is that uh, now we've realised that the, the snakes are here because of the rats, because they can smell the food. But, of mm. course, the net's killing the snakes... Now the rats are, oh, don't start me, Steve, but it's 7.30 in the morning. I know, I'm ever so sorry. <laughs> Call it to six Honestly, here, of course. Honestly, my whole life is some sort of script from a carry-on film. 
It is a little bit, actually. It, you are a little bit carry-on. I've, I've been to Grand Canaria, and there they have feral cats as well, and they've got mm. thousands of them. And what happens is people feed them. Yep. And they, they breed. Do. What they but... need is they, they did round here. They, they did, um, I think it was uh, neutering Islington's pussies. And uh, <laughs> it was started by a very well-known actress, and they went round and they captured these cats... And they uh, and they neutered them because if they're neutered, then they're not going to start breeding like mad. And I think it was called something like Snip, which was mm. neutering Isling. I'm sure it was neutering Islington pussies. I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever it was, it made us smile. Catchy title, huh? Catchy title. I'm sure it was Snip. I'm sure it was. Celia Hammond was the lady behind it. Very famous actress. And they, they went around... Because they had a big problem here. And I thought you should go to Grand Canaria and start snipping all their pieces. Yeah, they should come up here. Yes. Uh, the, 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 we have a big feral cat problem. Very Terrible. big feral cat problem. But the thing is, cats, you know, they, they are important to keep away the rats. Yeah. Um, they, were brought, they were brought here by Cleopatra. Good They're old, some of these cats. Heavens above. <laughs> <laughs> Must be quite ancient now. Their little bath chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. By the way, if, if I do sound a little bit off off key this morning, I'll tell you why. I, I have you next to my ear, oh, right. and you do sound as if like you're, you're talking from Zimbabwe or somewhere. Well, we are in Harare, and uh, we'd like to send out a message to Flight Sergeant <laughs> Bill Dixon. His wife over here says she's having a lovely time without you. <laughs> and, uh, it's Radio Mugabe oh, with idea. Steve Allen. There's a career BFBS, move for you, kid. And then I did. I did work for BFBS briefly as a, as a contributor. <laughs> I used to do a film review for John yeah? Walker. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine it. It's just coming up to half past eight. Here's Steve Allen. Well, I've just seen Casablanca. Exactly. And Vera Lynn's in the studio with you know, us this morning. You shouldn't joke about it. One of the girls actually went out to um, the Falklands. But, of course, when she went out there, there was a big garrison of men, like hundreds yes. and hundreds. And she was the only woman out there. She said she landed <laughs> in a helicopter. She, she said it was, like, unbelievable. She said they all came running to meet her and everything else. Yes, that, that actually sounds quite frightening. <laughs> it sounded a bit frightening to me, too. Listen, you kid, know, the, being stuck on an island with, with just fellas and penguins. I know. I was recommending Not, uh, it to George Michael the other day. I said, you don't need to go to prison, George. The Falklands is out there for we you. We could have sent George to the Falklands. <laughs> he could have done some good there. He could have done we some good. We have to let you but go. Anyway, the bets are on. How many, how many days will he spend inside? I think we two reckon weeks next Wednesday. better. Oh, you reckon next Wednesday? I'm saying two yeah. weeks, I think. Uh, but, uh, we'll see. All right, I'll put a shilling on it with you. All right, mate. We're done, done deal. Talk next week. All right, take care. Take care. Yeah. Nathan Morley, my man, in Cyprus, 14 to 6. These are the headlines. The Pope's historic arrival in Britain today is being overshadowed by comments comparing the nation with a third world country. Cardinal Walter Casper, who was due to join the Pope's entourage, pulled out of the trip yesterday following remarks made during an interview. Uniformed firefighters marched through London later in a row over shift changes. The march comes a day before the result of a ballot on industrial actions announced. And a warning, thousands of people are at risk because cosmetic surgery firms don't offer patients a safe experience. The reports found fewer than half of sites have fully equipped operating rooms. Let's have a check on the roadway this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Or say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Actually, very interesting, the story in the news about the people at risk because cosmetic surgery firms don't offer patients a safe experience. You know, of course, that I've said before, I can set up a cosmetic surger, surgery uh, business. Uh, I can rent a room over the road and I can have Amanda sitting there on the front desk going, this is Steve Allen's cosmetic surgery. I don't need any qualifications. 
if you're stupid enough to trust your, your body in my hands, as it were, then uh, I'm clever enough to take your money. And it's as simple as that. You don't need any qualifications. Anybody can buy the equipment that many of these people use. I know, it's, I know it sounds highly dangerous, but it's such an unregulated industry. They always say most of the, of the cosmetic surgery businesses that you see uh, are appealing to people's vanity. So, in other words, bigger boobs, different nose, pin your ears back, hair transplant, you know, that, that kind of thing. Whereas any GP will tell you that they would only ever refer somebody to a cosmetic surgeon uh, if it was for medical reasons, like you'd have to have your nose altered because of your breathing or something like that. You'd never, ever have to have your, your boobs changed because that's not something that they would consider necessary. That's purely done for vanity reasons. I know some women with very small boobs say, but I've always wanted big boobs. But then it's, the, the old argument is there's no point in giving somebody big boobs because you've got to learn how to walk with them. They're not that easy. You don't just, you know, it's like, you know, one minute you've got two little eggs and then the next minute you've got two blooming footballs and you, you have to start leaning backwards. Otherwise, you just fall over, don't you? There is a bloke today in the paper. He lost half his body weight thanks to gastric band surgery because he was, uh, he was vastly overweight. And uh, now... He's going to sue the NHS. I mean, it gets more stupid by the day in this country because he can't eat solid food. He requested the procedure after he ballooned to 24 stone. He had a £12,000 operation. He lost 12 stone over four months. But complications mean he's in agony whenever he swallows solids. And he says, uh, I'd rather be 24 stone again. The trouble is, as with all these procedures, with every one of them, they explain to you beforehand, before I had my stents fitted, they explain the procedure. You sign a consent form. They say that there are risks. And with every gastric bypass operation, there is a 5% risk of complications. They don't go ahead with an operation just on the basis of you need it. They're not going to waste NHS time and money. But because now complications have set in, he's planning on suing them. I don't think it's very likely. He said he used to earn 100000 a year, but it's made him difficult and this kind of thing. And he's hoping for hundreds of thousands of pounds. I mean, I just, you know, the hard-pressed NHS who do these operations, you know, you feel like saying to us, tell you what, darling, why don't you just go and have it done privately? And then see how far you get. You know, the last thing the NHS needs is another one of these cases that comes up where somebody is signed, and because it hasn't quite gone the way they want it to, they seem to want money in return. I never understood why, why money solved the problem. In fact, I'm convinced that money doesn't solve the problem at all. Um, <clears throat> Eddie says, I didn't think there were 4,000 children in Twickenham either. I don't know, it is Pram City at times. Have you have a lot of prams around there. He said, uh, <coughs> and whilst crossing the Lambeth Bridge, would the Holy Father be doing the Lambeth Walk? Not in the back of his car, he won't be, I don't think. And they'd be just sitting there, looking very, uh, very happy. Uh, I watched Jonathan Levi's programme about Perez Hilton last night, Steve, says Bridget. Interesting programme, but I'm still puzzled about what he actually does. Yes, I mean, I don't know anything about uh, Perez Hilton at all. I just know he's a blogger, but, I mean, that's as far as I know. And apparently it's the most read blog in the world for that kind of thing. So he gets all the, all the showbiz gossip and all that kind of stuff. But to be honest with you, just another... Why is it so many queens write showbiz? It's odd, isn't it, really? It's a, it's a very strange sort of thing. Uh, more on the, uh, the thug on uh, Come Dine With Me. Of course, now, uh, having seen the CCTV footage, he's deeply ashamed. Of course he is, because he was caught. That's why. Another one of these thugs. They turn up on television, don't they? They absolutely turn up on television. They had a thing the other day, and it's... I forget what the programme's called. It's where they, they uh, show people cons. 
They show how easy it is to con people. And there's three of them. And, and they were doing a thing the other day where it was people who wanted to get into television. And the one thing I will say to you, and I've said it for years on end and still people fall for it, is if ever you go along to a casting, you never, ever, ever pay any money. You don't pay anything at all. You shouldn't. The moment they ask you for money, you leave, you call the police, and you have them arrested. Because they're crooks. Nobody, nobody ever asks you for money. And so what they did, they, they set up a fake audition thing. They put their adverts in, and people turned up, and they said, you're ab- you know, you're absolutely ideal for this part. Uh, now, before we, we put you forward, we need £500. And I was amazed at how many people thought, if you give somebody £500, they're going to put you on the television. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you cannot believe how thick these people are. Here we are in the year 2010, and still these dumbos, who quite clearly have either never read a newspaper, a book, or never seen an exposure programme on the television, hand over, one of them, in cash. And then it, th- there he was outside being interviewed, and that's when they say to them, you know, it's, it's all a, a set-up. And she said, but we, we, we have a cheque. I've got a cheque from him for £2,000 for my first week's money. And he went, you don't seriously believe that's a genuine cheque? She went... I did think it looked a bit funny. You think, you've just handed over £500. It's like the, the mock auctions that they used to hold in Oxford Street, probably still do. And, and you do worry that people are so gullible nowadays. It's like going to Big Brother, isn't it? This is going to change your life. No, it's not. We're going to laugh at you because you're silly and stupid. 84850, Steve at LBC.co.uk. Lynn says, uh, I know, your secret's out. David Beckham is going to be in the movies and you're going to be his voice. It is true. I'm going to be the sexy voice of David Beckham. And all of a sudden, Victoria's going to go, God, blimey, Dave, you sound a bit tasty, don't you? And yet, Amanda could do Victoria and I could do Dave. And that could be really really cool. Because let's face it, it could get a bit strange after a while. We'd have to rehearse it a bit to make it sound a bit believable. But I actually think that, you know, Dave isn't going to actually make it into the movies because of the voice. Because if you remember, because the funny thing is, he's meeting with this bloke, but his best friend is, so we're told, Tom Cruise. Now, if anybody could put Dave in the movies, I would have thought it would be Tom Cruise, as opposed to a 35-year-old who's only ever made one film. You know, kind of alarm bells ringing here, kind of ting, 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 hello? Answer is yes. Val says, our school are having a live televised assembly tomorrow from St Mary's in Twickenham, and the children are going to be dressed in yellow and white. Oh dear, my least favourite colours. Yellow and white. Why can't it be something nice? Why yellow and white? Is, are these the... Is this the, the coloured theme for the, for the papal thing? Is it? Uh, Rose is in Welling Garden City. You poor soul, honestly. I've never been there, but it sounds gorgeous. And says, uh, I hope it's not too cheeky, but to ask my own happy birthday wish from you... But my lot will never be up in time to ask. I podcast your midweek shows and listen to them at work and always have the Sunday morning show on live. Because there's nobody up in the house to celebrate your birthday. Isn't that That is so sad. That is really sad. That is even sadder than being a contestant on Big Brother. We're going to have to celebrate with you, OK? Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Ready, Rose? Happy birthday to you. All right, that's it, OK? You don't get any more than that. I don't have the time or the inclination. We start going around to wish people happy birthday. At some point today, Rose, the postman, will stop by your front door and look up and you'll be looking out of the window and you'll be... And he'll put his hand into his sack and, and then he'll take it out again because there won't be any cards. And he'll walk up the road and you'll be very sad and miserable and you'll light that one candle on the top of the cake. Your house will burn down and you'll have to go into sheltered accommodation. And all of that 
because the family didn't get up to help you celebrate your birthday. It is absolutely outrageous, and I feel immensely sorry for you, but frankly, just make sure, Rose, your insurance policies are topped up. You know, you want to make sure that you're going to get another house equal to the one you're in at the moment. And anybody else celebrating your birthday? Pfft, like we care. I don't know, birthday. Isn't it awful? You get to a certain day. There's a bit in the paper today. Oh, how suicidal am I feeling today? This says that women no longer find men over 55 attractive. The moment you go, but luckily, <laughs> nowhere near it, but apparently the moment you go 56, you become unattractive. And people think you're unattractive. Well, let me tell you, at 39, I'm not worrying about this too much. But there's certain people around this building who are starting to get a little bit panic-stricken. So apparently, at 56, you cease to be attractive. What a load of old rubbish. Isn't it dreadful? It's rubbish. Some of the most attractive people I... I don't know anybody that old, actually. Rolf Harris is 80. He's very attractive. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people... It only applies to men. It doesn't apply to women, strangely enough. Uh, Dave says, cheese on toast must be made with cathedral cheddar followed by angel delight and a glass of blue nun. This is what the Pope's going to be eating this morning. Cheese on toast. I quite like it. I could eat cheese on toast now. could eat that now with Thousand Island dressing underneath it and then the cheese on the top. Uh, angel delight, yeah, but it's got to be butterscotch. What do you mean ruined it? What, with Thousand Island dressing? Oh, no. I had sprouts again last night. That's three times this week I've had sprouts. I'm very pleased. And uh, also, just the one glass of Blue Nun, because he wouldn't want it to become a bad habit. I don't think he'd... I think, you know, if he was going to have a drink, he'd, he'd have snaffled some of that communion wine. I reckon there's vat loads of that stuff in the country at the moment. I've never had it. I was, I was never lucky. I did go to a very high church once, and they were doing communion. And because I hadn't been, uh, been sort of done, I never got to eat the wafer. So I took my own. <laughs> Seems a lot easier, doesn't it, really? Pink Homeowners. Morning, team. Nice to have you company. Thursday morning in London town. It's very dark outside, isn't it? Almost winter. I did buy a winter coat. I said the other day I bought a winter coat because I saw it and I thought, I'll buy that because it'll, it'll make me look a bit trendy, like sort of Dave on XFM. It makes, it's the sort of coat he'd wear. Mine's just in a slightly bigger size than the one he would wear. Because every round here is skinny as a rake. Johnny Vaughan's like this big. You know, Dave is like that big. I mean, the only people who seem to be my sort of size tend to work on classic. <laughs> That'll please them this morning. So the weather for today, sunshine and scattered showers. Even His Holiness can't change the fact that we've got rain during the afternoon, which could be heavy at times. Tomorrow, sunny intervals, one or two showers, many places staying dry, 17 degrees centigrade. Saturday, chilly start, dry and bright with some sunshine, which is lovely. Uh, 84850. I know the Pope doesn't use his own name, says Philip, when they're Pope. How do they choose the name he uses? I think they just sort of sit down. It just comes out of a hat, doesn't it? And they sort of come up with a with a name, and you go, that's it. I mean, I used to be fascinated by this process of thinking, pick somebody younger. Don't pick somebody who's at the stress. Because it's, 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 it's a tough schedule. Whichever way you look at it, you've got to learn to speak so many different languages. Even if you haven't got the faintest idea what you're actually talking about. You have to be able to converse so that people think you know what you're talking about. And when he does all his uh, masses, it's, it's, it's very stressful. At the end of the day, you feel like going, which he'll probably feel like by the time he's finished in this country, I should imagine. I wonder, which way, I wonder if he's flying into Twickenham. Do you think he's flying in, or do you think he's coming in in a, in a car? Well, I don't know. Well, not to Twickenham International Airport, but I thought, you know, I'm trying to think where you'd land the thing. There would be room for a helicopter. If he's coming by car, it's a nightmare. And, you know, I mean, he, he can park in our place, if you're listening, anybody from, uh, from Vatican City. He can park in our place, really. I'll, I'll move the Bentley. 
In fact, if you like, I'll, I'll give him a lift in the Bentley just around the, uh, the corner. Uh, the papers today still full, surprisingly, of George Michael. George Sobs on pedo wing is the Sun's headline. They've moved him on to the wing where they house paedophiles. So George Sobs on pedo... Tears after lags taunt him in cell. I mean, how do they know this? Have they got somebody inside who's sort of saying, oh, he's in there, he's in there. He's given drugs to help him sleep. He's 47. Uh, apparently taunting lags had made the superstar sob by singing his hit Freedom after he went to court on Tuesday. As I've said before, I don't, I don't really think sending him to prison is going to solve anything at all. I'm a little bit worried about Nadine Coyle. Nadine Coyle, now, she said that she doesn't think there's any chance of girls allowed getting back together. And uh, also, apparently none of them have, have been in, in contact and even though she's contacted people... Of course, Nadine is uh, flogging a new single, but she's now engaged to a sports ace. And uh, it's a guy called Jason Bell, and he apparently got down on two knees to propose because of sporting injuries. I'm trying to work that one out myself, very romantically. What, what is the purpose of going down on two knees? I mean, I remember when I went to see... Was it not last year, the year before? Take That had come back for the Royal Variety performance, and they went down, they did, all I do each night is pray... And they went down, you could hear the creaking from where we were cracking of bones and oh it was terrible absolutely and when they, when they got up you can see everybody go oh Gary Barlow's going god blimey shan't be doing that one again you know it's, you, you can't do these things it's not good Charlotte Church Charlotte Church's ex Gavin Henson has admitted he can't stand the idea of another man bringing up their kids so apparently Charlotte has a new man in her life whereas Gavin who can't dance for toffee can't do anything, actually, and it's really the most boring person I've ever seen on the television. They're still droning on to anybody who'll listen. Might have a great body, Gavin, but by God, you're dull. I didn't think it was possible to be that dull. Um, Kelvin McKenzie's column today, he talks about uh, Jamie Redknapp, who is the new face of Marks and Spencers, and is pictured wearing, uh, you know, some shirts. Shirt, £25, tie, £15. Looks terrific. Uh, here it says Kelvin. He says, although strangely enough, he says, I saw him um, uh, giving his, his views on Sky Sport the other day. He said, and I looked closely at the suit and came to the conclusion that it was an Armani job priced at about £1,000. He said, could I suggest that if Mr Redknapp is to take his new role seriously, he'll have to start wearing M&S clothes in public. Surely that's not too much of a burden for Jamie in return for the 200000 M&S are paying him. I totally agree. You know, if somebody's paying you that much money to advertise their clothes, to go and wear somebody else's is just absolutely pathetic. You know, you remember, of course, though, the Redknapps advertising that holiday company. Yeah, right, for money. Of course, we all laughed like drains at that one. The trouble is with the Redknapps, like, like they go on a package holiday and queue up with everybody else. Girl, blind. they must think we're stupid. Ever since poor old Louise left Eternal, like 500 years ago, she's kind of wandered around the political wilderness of, of daytime television trying to find out what on earth she does in life. And the answer is, she don't do nothing. She advertises bread and holidays and turns up to a few fashion and that's it. Then go home. And so Jamie's now trousered this 200,000, doesn't even wear the blooming stuff. Yeah, if Marks and Spencer were paying me 200000 a year, but I'd do it for a hundred. You know, I'd be more than happy... 50? For 50, 50 pounds, I'd be doing it for... I'd be more than happy to wear uh, as many clothes as I'd prefer to send round to me because I'm a Marks and Spencer's boy. And there's no, you know, there's no point in having somebody who sort of sneers at the rest of us for wearing M&S and just does it because he's being paid £200,000. What Marks and Spencer's need to do is pick a real person, you know, a real person who wears M&S and can wear it comfortably. Bald, fat, 55, you're still sexy. 
Not at 56, though. So now you know. If you're heading up towards 56 today, or it's your 56th birthday, forget it. Because don't tell anybody. For God's sake, don't tell anybody at all. You cannot be sexy. Apparently bald cannot be sexy. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Can bald be sexy? I think bald can be quite... Not sexy, but it can be quite... Some people... Yes, I mean, Ross Kemp. Although I saw him on the television the other day doing that Alan Carr show. Oh, my God, Father. It was absolutely dreadful. It really was awful. He was coming up with things. I thought, I don't think you should be saying this kind of stuff. Perhaps it was perhaps it was adult television, and I'm not particularly adult. Uh, and then I turned on the telly the other day. Strangely enough, actually, it was a Marks and Spencer's advert, and I didn't see Danny Minogue on it. And I thought, have they dropped her from the actual moving pictures? Because Danny's got, you know, her own range of clothes, which are selling like... Selling like clothes and uh, selling maybe as good as they can. Because I'm thinking of bringing out the Steve Allen range of clothes. But actually, I'm going to do it under the guise of Widdy. OK, I'm going to call it the Steve Widdy range. And it's going to be for oversized people. And it's going to be clothes that make you look frumpy. So I'm going to be wearing... You know, there's no point. All this rubbish about clothes that make you look thin. and this, No, clothes that make you look fat. Because then, then when you take them off at the end of the night, people go, but my God, Steve, you're really attractive. And I go, I know, and you thought I was fat, you see? And that's a winner. Everywhere, women will be going, do you know what a brilliant idea? Let's have clothes that make us look fatter. You know, we're, we're going to sell fat suits, and we can all go on Strictly Come Dancing and wear tents and Demis Roussos cast-offs and everything like that. And then when you take them off at the end of the night, your husbands or your wives or girlfriends or boyfriends are going to be going, my God, you're really attractive. You're right. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Model BC 97.3. Steve Allen. Hello. Uh, thank you to Paul Cooper, who says that uh, Alex from the Barmy Arms and Hillary, no doubt, will be selling holy water, two for the price of one outside the shop today. <laughs> I love it. I'm thinking of, I could nip into Poundland and relabel all the water, couldn't I? Holy water. From, from, from the Twickenham well or something. I could come up with something. David Jameson, thank you for my latest edition of King Pole. I've just sent you some money. I've taken out a subscription, which is good news for everybody. And they've got a website, actually, uh, which is circusfriends.co.uk. But this one's all about the water features in Circus, including the Hippodrome in London, which had a big water tank in there. 6.20 is the time. Off to the, uh, the theatre. This time, actually, no West End, but south of the river to Waterloo, which has become London's latest Theatre District. And our man in the front row with his uh, somewhat smaller bucket of popcorn this week is Roger Foss. Morning, Roger. <laughs> yes, a somewhat smaller bucket of popcorn for a, <laughs> a small, tiny new theatre that's opened at Waterloo. And yeah, you're right, actually, because it does seem to me as though we've got a new theatre district all around Waterloo Station mm. uh, with the opening of this new little theatre underneath Waterloo East Station, just off Waterloo Road called, appropriately enough, Waterloo East Theatre. No. Um, you, you know, the National is along the road by the South Bank. Uh, we've got the Railway Children at the Eurostar Theatre in Waterloo Station itself. Underneath Waterloo Station, there are there's a vast catacombs under there, which are at the moment being run by the Old Vic, where they're putting on plays. And now Waterloo East Theatre uh, has opened with uh, Jessica Martin in her one-woman show, Sunset Bitch. And uh, I was really impressed with this little place, actually, because I thought, well, 
it's going to be one of these musty little archway places and uh, a little bit fringy and a little bit, you know, you kind of think, oh dear, what am I sitting on? What kind of seats are these? Mm. But actually, these guys have uh, put their own money into this place. It's a disused railway arch that Network Rail apparently couldn't rent out because it's got no natural daylight. It's and right. it's perfect, perfect yeah. for a little theatre. And they've obviously spent money on it. It's very nicely decorated, very comfy seats. I think it seats around about 120 or nice. something like that. Nice. And very intimate, too. Uh, so I, I was very... It's always great to discover a, a new venue, isn't it? And, mm. uh, and it's good to find this place. And Jessica Martin, of course, is really quite something to go and see. I, yeah. I was terribly impressed with this because I've seen her do this show called Sunset Bitch before. It's a one-woman kind of musical comedy, I suppose, isn't it? And, uh, uh, but she's, she's developed it. She'd taken it off Broadway at one point, I think, and, uh, and now it's much uh, expanded. And I, I, I was really amazed. It's, it's so unusual to see an artist who can uh, look a million dollars, who can sing brilliantly, who can do comedy stand-up, mm. and, and also do amazing impressions, and and actually do a one-person show without you, without faulting. Yeah. Without faulting. Oh, she's a clever girl, very clever. She was the, uh, yeah, and the so cabaret for the Lady Ratlings at lunch a short while ago. Oh, yeah, well, I, I'm sure she must have done her impressions. Yes. In this, of course, it's specially written for her so that uh, so she can do that. And it's a kind of story, really, about um, an old uh, Hollywood dame <laughs> who's talking about the past. And it gives her an opportunity to do all this and some hilarious moments like Marilyn Monroe and Marlon Brando doing Uncle Vanya together <laughs> and a, and a marvellous sequence when she talks about all the stars auditioning to play Mrs. Johnson in the film version of Blood Brothers. So <laughs> she does Liza Minnelli and Ethel Berman, but a brilliant Barbara Streisand attempting to be Mrs. Johnson. So I'd say check out the Waterloo East Theatre. It's, uh, it's very new, so it's very early days. They've got a musical coming up after... Jessica Martin, starting, I think, around about 28th of September called Departure Lounge, and then a play about Peter Sellers follows that. Uh, they told me they're not quite sure what they're doing at Christmas yet, but, um, yes, a, a, a welcome new venue in, in the Waterloo Theatre District. Do you hear now. the trains over the top? Is, is it a bit like uh, it used to be at the Players' Theatre? Yeah, exactly like that. You can hear them rumbling through Waterloo Station. <laughs> but then it doesn't really matter, does it? You don't really kind of notice it after a while you can hear the trains rumbling underneath west end theaters can't you if you go to can the you? garrick theater you could yeah you can it, oh. it, it, during the silent moments of death watch last week yeah um with simon russell beale at the uh noel Coward theater you could hear the trains going underneath Lord. the underground yeah. Oh, never thought. Actually, the, the oddest thing I always thought about the Garrick Theatre, which is the one at the the back of our building here, is that when you go through down the side to go to the stage door, you you share the stage door with the theatre which is on St Martin's Lane. Yeah, strange. That, so isn't they're it? both in this little courtyard. It's most bizarre. Yes, and it's all gated off. Yes, it's all gated off. So you can't walk round there. And yet, at one point, presumably, the audience used to come out of those back doors and come round. But but you walk out of the stage door of the Garrick. And you're into the stage door of the other theatre. Absolutely, I think it makes life difficult for the autograph hunters. Well, I'm not I, quite I, sure where I, to I go. could have wandered into the wrong show by mistake. <laughs> yes, just about to give of my false staff and find myself juggling with Cirque du Soleil or something. <laughs> a little bit, little bit embarrassing. So, definitely a recommendation for lovely Jessica Martin. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Immaculate show and uh, worth checking out this new theatre, Waterloo East Theatre. But also, of course, it's all been happening down Waterloo Way because uh, the Young Vic has been celebrating its 40th anniversary uh, this week with a, a, a community play. It's only on till Saturday and then it goes to Watford Palace Theatre for a few days next oh, week. Nice. But uh, it's called The Human Comedy. And, uh, and it is a community play. It's very much... Uh, well, it's, it's actually set in California, not in Waterloo, but, um, and during the Second World War. But it's written by the guy who wrote Hair, Galt McDermott, who wrote the music for Hair. Uh, and, and, and the human comedy was a bit of a flop, actually, when, when it uh, opened on Broadway in the 80s. But they brought it together at, at the uh, Young Vic with a gigantic community choir. I think there's something like 80 people on stage, plus a professional company. Oh, uh, and so it just fills the stage with the joy of singing. It's oh, absolutely nice. fantastic to hear. Uh, although it's a, a place, a musical, I suppose, set in the Second World War with mm. the dads and the sons going off to war in Europe. So it, it's a bit like hair. It's got a war theme, hair about Vietnam, of course, but uh, this one's about the Second World War. Uh, though unlike hair, nobody takes their clothes off. Thank goodness for uh, that. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm glad to say, I didn't realise, actually, I, I should have done, but Brenda Edwards is in this and, uh, and totally comes on in the second act and goes full throttle with that extraordinary voice of hers and completely Ooh. steals the show. So it's great to see the young Vic, 40 years yes. old. Yes. Um, they had a party. All sorts of people were there, uh, including Jim Dale, who, of course, was one of the original <sighs> Carry young on, Vic. yes. Yeah, good old Jim is that, Dale. Is that I, I, the Jim Dale? The Jim Dale. Good grief. Yeah. I know he went to yeah, live in America, I'm... didn't he? he? Was He was working over in America. Oh, he'd yeah, be an he's interesting done fantastically to talk well to. in the yeah. States. And, and, and I think, you know, you've got to admire him because he's done kind of everything in yeah. a career that's gone way back to the 50s, I think. Yes, you know, yes. Stand-up comedy to pop and writing songs and yeah. films and carry-ons and straight acting. He was at the National Theatre, of course, when... Lawrence Olivier ran it at, yeah. at the old Vic. So, Roger, um, I've got to leave it. Oh, all right, okay. We'll go. talk about the old Vic then next week. All right, next week we do the old Vic, but at the moment it's a recommendation yeah. for Jessica Martin and, uh, and also, for don't forget, the human comedy. And for the human comedy, don't forget the railway children at the Eurostar terminal, which oh, is doing yes, great guns. Cries. All right, yeah. kiddo. Talk to you next week. Bye. Take care. There's Roger Foss, our man in the front row, and uh, some recommendations. For the theatre, courtesy of uh, LBC. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, coming up to news time. BT Vision, kick off your season with Sky Sports 2. 25 minutes to uh, 7. Uh, John obviously got the wrong end of the stick completely. He says, don't knock True Blue, which I watched again, a very underage... Are you listening properly? Do we need to come round with a cotton bud and clean your ears out? I said it was one of my favourite films. I bought loads of copies of it and gave them away to people. He says, even the music score. Yeah, well, even... listen, I know the music score backwards. It's on my phone. I even know who recorded it. I can tell you what the catalogue number is of it. I think you're obviously listening to something else. Uh, Jan says the Pope, Susan Boyle, will sing for him. Poor bloke. I know. What you, she should sing a song from Les Miserables, do you think? I'm going, wild horses. Yes. I think you'd have to sit there. And most popes nod off, don't they, during some of these lengthy, boring bits. Uh, v and Broccoli says, love your show. You're so unique. Somebody else says, Pope in your area, just to bless your hanging baskets. Listen, I've often run him round in the car. You know, he can go in a proper car, you know, we can listen to a bit of music. 
He can listen to some of my Christmas carols. Do you think they do Christmas carols at Vatican? How oh, lovely. Val, unfortunately, they've got another televised mass on Sunday. The church is having a barbecue and I've offered to do the coleslaw. Trouble is, they've sold 180 tickets, so I'll be listening to you Sunday chopping cabbage. Blimey. Bit of a sad day, isn't it, for you, really? I'd go and buy it. In fact, if I, I could take you to, uh, to Costco and you could buy giant coleslaws. That would save you understand they're making it. It's very dull, isn't it? Uh, Richie says... Did you say the other day you were meeting Dean Friedman? He did a concert at our local theatre, Pacific Road in Birkenhead. It was a lovely intimate affair. We all sat at tables and drank wine. And uh, she said, finishing the, the concert, uh, he stayed for photos and signings. Said, you'll have a good chinwag. We did have a good chinwag. And uh, we got his latest album, so we'll play a track from that. He's going to be part of the new In Conversation. He's doing the Cadogan uh, Halls in London on the 25th of September. It's on his website. You can, uh, you can find it on there. Uh, Heather's not a big fan of uh, early morning television, which is good news. I like that idea. We're not either. And again, we were proved right with um, the audience dropping off for breakfast television. I think the trouble is not one of them knows how to do it because nobody's being genuine. They're all sort of either over made up <coughs> in the morning just reading things. Oh, I, tell you, I knew something I was going to tell you. I watched last night because I'd mentioned it on the programme. So I thought, well, I'd better watch it just in case somebody sort of... Uh, emails in and says, did you watch the Michael Jackson programme about bubbles where Latoya, mad as a brush, sat in front of the cage and went, do you remember me, bubbles? Do you? And, the, and of course, the chimpanzees looking at her like thinking, I wish you'd go away. Yeah, come inside this cage. You're going over no legs. And, uh, and she going, oh, you remember me, don't you? And at this moment, bubbles turned his back on her. And walked away to the other side of the cage, obviously thinking, who are you, Matt? I remember exactly who you were. Go away. It's like when you used to get Barbara Woodhouse. And she, used to, she started doing horse whispering. And it involved at one point on the television where she'd learnt a new way of horse whispering, which involved blowing up horses' noses. And you can see the horse say, oh, look, lovely, kindly old lady. And she's going, that's lovely. And she'd go, and blow up there. And the horse would go, what the dickens do you think you're doing? And I felt it, it was exactly the same with Bubbles and Latoya, who turned up. And they said, well, you know, Bubbles, you know, is a chimpanzee. It was just a chi Chimpanzees are very violent, as you know. And uh, a lot of people who have them in, in captivity, you've got to be careful because they're wild animals. And, um, and we all remember, didn't we, that lovely David Attenborough documentary where they followed them through the jungle when they were capturing another monkey to rip it apart and eat it alive. And they're, they're very clever, but it's, it was when she went, you remember... And she started crying over this cage. And Bubbles, Bubbles is sitting there thinking, do you know, you're as mad as I remember the first time round. Now go away. Leave me alone. Paper reviewer this morning, Yasmin Alibi-Brown. Nick will be asking after seven uh, if Cardinal Casper's comments on Britain being a third-world nation full of aggressive atheists have any merit. Plus, I'll be finding out whether you think Sharon Shoesmith deserves any sympathy for the way she was treated by politicians in the media. They've got the John Lewis results as well, but it's, it's going to be Pope, Pope, Pope all the way, because I think it's quite interesting. I think it's quite interesting, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what sort of reaction the Pope gets, whether there will be demonstrations. Undoubtedly, I'm sure there will be at some point. There's a huge advert, I think, in The Guardian today from a lot of uh, top show business people, Stephen Fry and Claire Rayner, very anti the Pope's visit because of the Catholic Church's stance on homosexuality and abortion and stuff like that. And I'm sure that that will uh, crop up again. Alice has got her wedding dress ball, 2010, at the Hilton in Cobham on the 9th of October. It's not that far away, the 9th of October. Practically into the 9th of October. And they, they've got details on 
Wedding Dress Ball 2010.co.uk. So for all those ladies who like... I think it's an opportunity, this one, for, for ladies to turn up uh, in their wedding dresses. Because if you get married in a wedding dress, the chances are you've only ever worn it the once. So this is an opportunity to put it on again. And if you're listening, Brian, uh, there is an opportunity for you to wear yours as well. <laughs> I never understand why. Women get this opportunity. Every time there's a ball somewhere, they get the opportunity to wear those fantastic outfits. What do men get? Dinner jackets. How boring is that? I've got to do something interesting. Ladies get, you know, green and satin and gold and silver. What do we get? Dinner jackets. It's just dull, I'm afraid. Uh, Robin says, on this morning show, which I think was the other morning, you mentioned that your father ran the Special Forces Club. He did, only briefly, though. He became quite ill uh, running it. And they've been through terrible times at the Special Forces Club. I only discovered a short while ago. But uh, he was running it, and it's the club for British agents. And uh, says, you must have met my dad, Ian, who ran uh, BFBS, but who sadly died a couple of years ago. It was only then I found out he'd been an agent in France and Burma. Oh, the people used to turn up at the Special Forces Club. I mean, it was... You'd never know... Well, quite clearly, you know, you don't go around with an agent stamped over here, you know. By the way, I'm, uh, I'm an agent. And, uh, you know, and it, it's exactly... There's me again. Like Roger Moore had just walked in. I'm 007. Uh, you know, chicken. Oh, that's the other one, isn't it? And um, says, I, I enjoy your show. I have to blame you for, uh, for my insomnia. But he says, hey, who's complaining? I'm sure that Dad probably did know him. I know he started drinking quite a bit when he did the Special Forces Club. Uh, Stephanie says, I heard you mention that Ricky Gervais's warm-up was funnier than him. We agree. We saw the show at the Bloomsbury and the support act was a Jewish Welsh comedian. He was brilliant. Maybe being famous makes you lazy. Well, I, d- I, d- I did hear reports of his last show, which people said really wasn't as... Uh, it was a lot of gay and black kind of scenarios. Not really the kind of thing I want to go and see. Um, I'm going to contact Stuart about these, uh, these World War II tunnels. I mentioned uh, Elaine and David Thompson with the Christmas crackers and all the hats, because we're expecting you to dress up, I think, for the 4th of December. Uh, Prince Charles has got uh, problems. Clarence House has been hit by an invasion of giant rats. I mean, I'm sorry to mention it in front of the producer, because she's not a, not a big fan, I'm afraid, of giant rats. Big enough to carry you off. So I don't know where they're coming from. Probably the Serpentine, I should imagine. And uh, over there, Daily Express today, an aspirin a day can slash the risk of bowel cancer. I do an aspirin a day, but I think it's for, for heart reasons. Uh, more on the invisible men. Time you get to 55, the moment you hit 56, you've vanished completely. And um, another one here. What is this one here? Oh, this is um, this man who's drawing a British pension. Never done a day's work in his life since the 1970s. He's, uh, he's bone idle. His name is Alan Kenyon. He's raked in 100,000. He's got the title, the, wor- the Nation's Laziest Man. He did do a bit of painting and decorating, but Frank can't be bothered, and we, we paid for his lifestyle. So now he's drawing from the British pension pot. Why don't we just get him out there working? I hate lazy people. I don't care what, you know, there's always something that you can do. Always something you can do. Oh, I can't do that. Well, you're managing to walk, love, aren't you? Must be something you can do. Um, there's uh, Ken Hom. He's uh, being treated now for prostate cancer. So he's uh, going to be talking about that. Uh, no doubt somebody today will be talking to Ken Hom, who's out to raise awareness of prostate cancer. It's the only that men don't talk about it, do they? Oh, don't talk about things like that. Oh, heavens above. No, no, no. Uh, the British holidaymakers on the day trip to Kos, uh, telling of their horror when their ferry smashed into a harbour wall. It's always something, isn't it? You go on holiday, it's always going to be something. And there's a new girl band. 
Uh, these ones have won a million-pound record deal, and they're releasing their first album called Voices of the W.I. So they're ladies from the W.I. And um, the good news is that if, if you look at the picture, you think, oh, you look a bit M&S. It's because Marks and Spencers have stepped in to style them, and they're helping promote the album as well. So the ladies from the W... See, you thought it was all jam, didn't you, at the W.I.? No, 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 they're a saucy bunch. I tell you, you've seen Calendar Girls? That's what they do. Secretly, they're all there, you know, getting their... And you've seen the show on tour. It's all about the girls from the WI and the ladies from the WI. Um, Cher is mentioned in the paper today. Do you know, she's 64. I mean, to be honest with you, she bears no resemblance to Cher from years ago. But uh, 64, and she she turned up in an awards ceremony, and people are going, what are you wearing? Very revealing. And uh, it never ceases to amaze Virginia Blackburn, writing in the paper today, that women will put up with a lot in order to stay married. I know one person who, on discovering her husband was having an affair, begged him to stay with her, thus giving him carte blanche to do what he wanted for the rest of her life. Unlike Cheryl Cole, who eventually wised up, Colleen has a child. Of course, there's at least one good reason for staying. Let's hope Potato Face does mend his ways. But Virginia says... I'm not hopeful. Oh, I'm not hopeful either. She's apparently laid down the law. All these TV programs have come up with this garbage that uh, he's, uh, he's had to apologise to her parents. Why? Why has he had to apologise to her parents? Oh, for goodness sake. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? And um, somebody here from Bromley says, I'm not normally up this early, but you're very hilarious. Well, compared to where you live in Bromley, I should imagine anything's fairly hilarious. And uh, are you going to Zippo Circus, says Bridget? They're in Twickenham this weekend. Yes, I think they've, uh, they've got the tent. I normally like to go and watch them putting up the tent because uh, it's on Twickenham Green. Zippo Circus are there for the week. Do you think the Pope's going to go? Do you think the Pope's going to go to the circus? Do you know, we've got so many things to show him in Twickenham. We really have. If he doesn't stop in the fruit and veg and the balmy arms, there's no justice. Quarter to seven. These headlines, Sam Pitt. Your say this morning from seven. LBC 97.3. I love estate agents. I love it when they come around to value your house. That's always quite good. In the, in the case of uh, this particular lady, Catherine Frame, uh, they decided to put her house on the market. And uh, the agent, Samuel uh, Olfert, uh, let himself in with the key and was going around. You know, they, they go around the rooms, they sort of have the little electronic tape measure. We had a quick peep in the living room. She's asleep on the settee. So he goes around the house, he's doing all the rest of it. And uh, then he goes in the sitting room and he measures that room. She's still asleep. And, and then he's measuring this room, doing that. And he's a bit, a bit quiet, you know, to wake people up. Turns out she's dead on the, uh, on the couch. And it wasn't until he walked out of the room, he kind of thought, as she was turning yellow, that uh, maybe he should pop back and just have a quick check. So he goes back into the room and uh, thinks... I don't think she's breathing, actually. So it was then that they, they discover that something wasn't quite right. She was motionless. Because normally, you know, if somebody's sleeping like, like that, or maybe she wasn't doing any of these things. It turned out as uh, he was sort of showing himself round, and, uh, and he was, I think he was showing would-be buyers around. So they go round her house, and she's dead, poor soul. Only 55. £800,000 house in Kensington. It's not funny, is it? Not funny, but apparently um, she was, uh, they say uh, she wasn't drunk when her body was found, but it was death by natural causes exacerbated by chronic excessive alcohol ingestion. In other words, she'd had a load of booze. But imagine there, and they're showing people around, they're going, this is this, shh, this is this city, you don't need to be quiet, you can make as much noise as possible. But it's just one of those things. Uh, other stories of the paper today, only 100 days of shopping left. Woo, 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 woo. I thought you'd get in quick. 
thought you were getting quick. I'm still trying to find out what we think Susan Boyle will be attempting to sing for His Holiness the Pope, because she was in the, uh, in the choir before. And I'm so delighted that ever since we mentioned that lady the other day, the secret agent who, uh, who, who died... This was Eileen Nian, who died, and nobody knew what she did, and she was actually quite a hero. They've done a, uh, a feature today on all the, uh, all the ladies, all the women, who uh, risked torture and execution at the hands of the Nazis, who were dropped behind enemy lines. And there have been some really good films made about people who did great works, but there'll never be a statue to Eileen Nian, whereas Nurse, Nurse Edith Cavell just down here in Trafalgar Square, just on the side, just opposite Pret-a-Manger, has got uh, her big statue. And so she's been honoured. And there have been all sorts of films. I think Virginia McKenna made, uh, made a number of films. Um, other stories here in the uh, papers today, the Daily Mail. Gemma Ath- uh, Arterton. I keep saying Atherton. I don't know why, but Gemma Arterton is in a new uh, film in Hollywood called uh, Tamara Drew. And she says, why does Hollywood only want me for my body? Well, I don't know, actually. But uh, there's a new shirt you can buy now. And I like this idea. It's uh, instant fabric in a can. Now, I know you can buy all sorts of things in a can nowadays. You can get silly string. Where you, that's very funny when you come out of a, a party and you go... <laughs> all over somebody. And you can get bubbles. And you can get hair in a can. Men buy this uh, hair thing. and it's Something like, I don't know, £25 a can. And you spray on hair. Now, to be honest with you, I've never actually thought spray-on hair looks good. Although, the next time you see Rob Brydon on the television, have a look at his hair. Because it seems to have come back again. He seems to be sporting a full head of hair. And I'm always fascinated. So I'm quite interested in, uh, in this shirt here. It's a, a liquid mixture made of cotton fibres. And we could soon be spraying ourselves all over. Fifteen minutes. And this uh, man who invented it sprayed a T-shirt on a model. And see, so you... Oh, well, exactly, but this is a T-shirt and a can. So, in other words, if you go... See, the trouble is you have to put up obstacles, don't you? If you're going out for the night and you think, oh, I haven't got a clean T-shirt to wear. Wait a minute, I've got a T-shirt in a can. I, could, I mean, you could do it in the office, couldn't you? I mean, it could be the kind of thing that, you know, you could... I could stand in the office, you know, just in vest and pants, and perhaps spray on sort of some shoes or something. And I could... You could sort of... St- like being sort of... <laughs> like having a suntan. I don't know why you'd be investing pants. It's just something I'd want to do to annoy people in the office. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the fact that everybody should be dressed in vest and pants. Only because it makes me laugh, because nobody wears vest and pants anymore, do you? Unless you're either over 70. And in which case, it is getting actually a lot colder now, as we're now moving into autumnal weather. I've noticed in the morning, I might have to start wearing gloves or mittens. I might have to start wearing them. I imagine the Pope is going to be feeling a bit of the cold. You know, it's lovely over in... When it gets hot in Vatican City... Oh, blimey, it gets hot. So over here, it's going to be in Scotland. It'll be freezing. It'll be freezing. He takes off very, very shortly. So at the moment, he's probably packed his little suitcase. We're going... Wait a minute. Flight ticket, money, passport. OK, got everything, got everything. We can go to the airport now with this huge entourage. And then they will sit down and they will have to go through the whole itinerary over three days. All I'm worried about is the fact that he's coming to Twickenham. Whether he drives or not, I'm not sure... Because they haven't actually uh, told us. Uh, the one, do you know what they're actually thinking of bringing back? I don't know if you're old enough to remember. When you bought a bottle of Corona years and years ago, if you, if you turned the label round, if you looked through it, it said 3D on it, which meant that you got threepence back on the bottle. David Cameron is thinking of reintroducing money back on cans and bottles. So, in other words, to encourage you to recycle. Because a lot of people don't... I don't recycle. 
you know, years ago, we used to, in fact, I'm probably as a child, we used to recycle a bit more than we do at the moment. And we do have lots of recycling bins at home for cardboard and for green bottles, for brown bottles, for clear bottles, for tins, for this and that. But they're never big enough. And so I thought, what a good idea to actually get money back. So in other words, you're drinking a can and then somebody will go, there's threepence back on that or fourpence or whatever it happens to be. And I quite fancy the idea because it would encourage people, A, to recycle and B, it would encourage people to be tidy because the one thing people leave now are empty bottles and cans and tins all over the place. So if there was money back on it, you would, you would change. Chinese markets, you can buy dried tiger paws. Uh, in fact, a lot of Chinese medicine shops are selling parts of tigers which are illegal. In the wild, they say there are just 3,500 tigers. And if we're not careful, we won't have any more. So there's a big feature in the mail today. Plus the story of the 12-year-old girl who accidentally ate two mushrooms which were poisonous enough to kill an adult twice over. A feature again on George Michael. Everybody now guessing how long he's been inside and saying that he's been put in solitary confinement for his own safety. I'm not sure if it's his own safety or the other people in prison's safety. George Michael on the loose. We'll do it again tomorrow. If you keep listening to LBC, if you go on to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can find out all the details of the uh, Pope's itinerary, including where he's going to be at any particular time and uh, who he's going to be talking to. And you'll hear it on LBC as well. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget to podcast. Check out the, uh, the blog as well and all the other good things on the LBC website. Nick and guests will be talking a lot about the Pope after the news at 7 o'clock this morning after the news. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis.